is is important and 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 you find there's there's this kind of welcome to the lifelong learning podcast with chris mcguire Welcome to episode two of Lifelong Learning. My guest today is Paul Meldrum. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. Um, First of all, before we begin, could you just share a little bit about your current role? Yes, certainly. Probably three three parts to my role. I'm head of um, learning innovations. One part is um, articulating and... um, well, th- thinking and articulating what learning in today's world looks like from a construct point of view. So um, that looks at the uh, the underlying principles of, of of you know what's driving the learning agenda, um, what learning looks like, curriculum design, pedagogical design, um, all those types of things, and pulling it together in some type of construct. So that's one of the is is understanding today's learning or twenty first century learning as a essentially building learning frameworks. Yeah. Um, the second part then is okay translating those learning frameworks or supporting those learning frameworks in schools. So that, that again is right through to you know that that whole curriculum you know, curriculum design to support the learning intents, um, staffing, all those enabling structures. And a significant enabling structure is the actual physical design, physical and virtual designs. Um, another significant part of that is then the, the, the underlying architecture, both from back-end ICT architecture, but also the, um, uh, the, the user interface into those ICT systems. So I'm fluent right across that whole, that whole spectrum. So really those three areas of, of learning framework design, physical design, architectural design, um, and then the ICT architecture underlying it. So it sounds like part of your role is always having an eye cast to the future, always thinking ahead um, and thinking of what the, the needs will be for our schools in the future as well, would you say, is a, is a part of your role as well? Um, it's, probably, no, it's probably more about thinking about now. The yeah. now, so it's the now and the future, but definitely the now. You know, we're not designing for the future; we're designing for the now. Mm-hmm. Um, the the learning frameworks for the now, the architecture and the learning spaces, physical and virtual, for the now, mm-hmm. the supporting ICT infrastructure um, and devices and interfaces for the now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not for the future because it is for the now. Yeah. Um, what is for the future is uh, the underlying principles of in our in our context a catholic diocese mm-hmm. um christ being at the center of everything we do um you know sp- sharing the good news um and then you know what it means to be a learner mm-hmm. over a continuum of someone's life um moving from you know uh, you know just born right through to 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 post school so what does that look like mm-hmm. what's the life of a learner and what are we doing to prepare people to be ongoing lifelong learners Yep. to be positive contributors and active contributors to society. Mm-hmm. So um, part, of, part of the course I'm, I'm studying at the moment is looking at design thinking. And um, our system has, I guess, I mean, there's a few new schools that have been opened. There's a few new schools currently in the process of uh, being developed and designed. I was hoping you could share with us a bit of a process of how, how do you come from this conceptual idea of we need to build a new school to the end 
where the end users, where our students are occupying these these rooms. Um, but if we if we maybe narrow it down to perhaps you know one of our latest schools, St Luke's, just to kind of drive the conversation. So St Luke's new K to twelve precinct is going to be built. So how does you know how do we de- design and build this school to be contemporary? I'll I'll do a, probably a compare and contrast. I'll start with um, what it what it used to look like, and and certainly in other education systems around the world, what it currently still looks like. And I can you know, point out many examples of that. So so for a long time, um, builders have built buildings based upon standard practice um, for learning to be as they experienced it. Um, and so there's been very little um, input from actual educators around what learning should look like in a transformed learning environment. And so consequently, um, builders build what they know, um, architects design on what they know, um, and uh, building is given to educators to move in, and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars can be spent. And, um, well, it's pretty much just a traditional teaching experience and learning experience. Um, it may look colourful, look new, and we call that the, the new old. Um, and there's many, many examples of that. Yeah. In our diocese for some time, we certainly don't um, prescribe to that process. The process is very much, first and foremost, what will learning look like? And if you can't articulate that as, a, as, 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 a, as an individual or a group of people who are leading learning in that community, then that's the starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing else is done until there's a good understanding of, of the, what will learning look like in a Catholic school in Diocese of Parramatta. Mm-hmm. Um, so to jump in there, so talking about how builders, they've always built to what, what they know. Um, there's, a, there's a theory that I'm looking at called CK theory, and, and part of the, the reason um, for developing this theory is because there's been this fixation effect, whereas we can only know what we've always known. So is that um, an element of when you talk about builders, they've, they've just built to what they know, yet something ha- needs to change in order for us to, I guess, better serve the students in, in our system to become, as you said, you know, lifelong learners. Yeah. So there's lots of, um, you know, one of the mantras we use is you learn the work by doing the work. Mm-hmm. So I work and have over the last oh, 15 years with, with architects and with builders in terms of um, explaining the process of learning to them and then, you know, then, then uh, conceptually working with them and saying, oh, well, we need settings with inside spaces that look like X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a significant learning curve for architects, and I've gone seen architects um, go from producing plans for education systems, which are just similar to house plans with, with, with um, just lines on paper, flat two-dimensional diagrams, mm-hmm. to now uh, 3D walkthroughs, um, including... Um, furniture specified by the educators um, for a direct correlation to the, how learning will look like in those spaces um, t- to that level. And, and that never existed before. 
Um, so even five minutes ago, I was showing another educator. The educator was looking through their own space that hasn't even been built yet. Mm-hmm. But there's a pretty much a one-to-one correspondence to to what what was the uh, understanding of learning through to the to you know, how the curriculum will come to get you know, be be brought together and, and delivered, mm-hmm. um, and they can actually walk through see that right now in 3D, including the exact furniture that they've actually specified, and they understand space sizes. With with that um, 3D rendering that you, you're talking about, um, and, and that must be part of the prototyping kind of stage of this design is that is that an iterative process where you know it, Paul will look at the um, 3D rendering move through the space and then is there a, a process where the uh, you know the architectural firm may request some feedback or to say you know what are your thoughts on this space what are your thoughts on the the, no. the flow or or do they provide perhaps choices here's one way of the layout here's another way and then you choose what what does that process look like for you the process changes throughout the project so depending on what you're doing but it's very much iterative and it's very much with the um, the architect in the room looking at the spaces mm-hmm. um, you know the more face to face conversation the better um, yeah. that's where it certainly works the idea of just um, someone going away in a black hole and coming back with something just doesn't work so it's very much iterative mm-hmm. um, in that concept um, the levels of iteration and what that looks like just depends on the where you're up to in that stage. Uh, at an early stage, if you're building a new school and you're really just looking at block concepts about where particular learning services will be delivered, it, it could be exactly that, conceptual flat diagrams or even 3D representations of building blocks. Um, but the closer you get to... Uh, actually what's happening in, in, in the learning spaces, that's where it's very much um, side-by-side work. Um, it's like anything, and I say to people, it's like designing your house. Um, if you're going to build a house and you just sit on the outside and let someone else build it, they'll build it to, to, to their standards, uh, their interpretation, um, and that's what you'll get, including the heights of tables and all that type of stuff. And it'll look good for the architect, however they want it. However, the more engaged uh, the client is, in this case the educators, and educators that, un, you know, that are very across contemporary learning and teaching, then the greater the alignment between the delivered product and what we want to do. Let's take a step back prior to the prototype, and you mentioned involved people who are going to be using the space. Does the system put out, uh, I guess, a request for proposals, something along those lines, to... For, for architects to, you know, to, I guess, you know, share what they're um, able to do. And then from there, d- does the system select, okay, we're going to go with this architect and, and here's our brief. This is what we're looking at designing. Is that what we would, I guess the system would do? Yeah, it depends on the size of the project. depends yeah. on, you know, we've, we've certainly got stewardship protocols. But certainly we have in the past and multiple times involved, invited uh, a whole forum of architects mm-hmm. to explain to them uh, the, the process of, of, that we work through. Uh, and that's first and foremost, here's what learning looks like and um, here's, here's how we proceed and how we engage with you yeah. um, and what we're looking for, that, 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 those models of engagement. You know, we don't... Um, and over the 15 years, the 10 to 15 years, the architects have developed their in-house skills and you see architects having on, mm-hmm. you know, putting on... Uh, educational experts they're not architects, they're educational experts 
yeah. that can work with the educational clients. So there's that um, a greater alignment between um, one person's language and an architectural language. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have those those roles. Oh, um, Tim Brown is a uh, he's a head of audio, uh, which is a design uh, designing firm. And um, he, he talks about when you are creating those ideas and creating these concepts, talking about having a team together. Um, and there's two ways of developing this team. So one way is having a multidisciplinary team where you know Paul's the educational expert, I'm the architectural expert. But sometimes when we're developing these ideas and concepts for the space, we tend to favour our own disciplines. And then there's another version of the team called an interdisciplinary team, whereas Paul, we're still experts, but the difference in this team is there's an air for collaboration. We, are, we, we definitely collaborate with each other. There's where I'm listening to you share your expertise and I'm trying to empathise with you and understand where you're coming from. And it's the same as said um, for yourself, you know, collaborating with me because these teams um, are able to come up with, I guess, more viable ideas. So is there some sort of process... To- you know, start sharing and, and, and brainstorming and, and, and bouncing ideas off each other to come up with these new concepts for, for a school? Yeah, we, we certainly, um, you know, look around the world for best practice. Um, there's no question about that. Ultimately, it comes to, in terms of designing schools and spaces and, and settings with inside spaces, it's, it's having um, to know the best available theory and experience associated with what contemporary learning looks like. Mm-hmm. So that's one area. Yeah. Um, similarly, then, you need to work with, with other services or, or, or functional areas, in this case architects and also finance people, to say, what's the best... Th- we, you know, who are we working with in regards to the best... who knows the best theory and experience associated with designing schools? Um, and similarly with finance and similar with, with all the aspects of building new environments. You, you work with those who have the best theory and knowledge and experience mm-hmm. to come up with you know, this collaborative project. Um, educators should never give away and should be the ones leading the learning agenda. Yeah. Um, I don't leave, you know, I don't, don't, don't um, um, reduce my um, or hand over that role of leading the learning agenda to architects. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. Their role is designing buildings and yeah. all the things that go with it. Our role is articulating what learning will look like. Mm-hmm. That's our role. And so you know, we spend many, many years, you know, what does leading learning look like? So we work with um, people like Stephen Heppel and Michael Fullen and, and um, you know, many people... Um, in regards to leading learning mm-hmm. in today's world. Um, and that's what underpins everything we do. Understand learning, articulate, be able to articulate what learning will look like um, in language that, that, that enables architects then to respond to that and provide um, large physical structures down to the smallest setting within a space. Mm-hmm. That aligns with the learning theory. It's funny, um, uh, John Silly Brown, he's a, a professor um, at Hawaii University. He, he wrote this book um, called um, Cultivating Learning, um, for, and, and, and it talks about um, how there was uh, the one tree schoolhouse, uh, sorry, the, the one room schoolhouse, where you know, 
1950s where it would it could, similar to what you're saying that period of post weren't as many students in that room there was one teacher but he talks about how this collaboration how people learn from each other and it's funny how um, how learning has changed because of the technology technology is in a state of flux you think of um, you know connect, connected learning how students are able to access curriculum at any stage students these days are able to take a lot of learning into their own hands whether it be a passion on on coding um, they've got the resources online to to research they've got forums where it's where he talks about a collective where they can tap in to people around the world who are passionate as well and it's interesting how this this technology has really kind of helped evolve what we see learning as today so as you as you're mentioning that i can hear these kind of nodes of john silly brown um within your so 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 if you think of um the learning continuum in, in this manner, and this is how we articulate it in, in, our, in our system, is that there, there's a particular cohorts where different experiences probably come together better than, than other ones. Mm-hmm. And so early learning, you know, three- to five-year-olds, um, kindy, year one, year two, that's what we call about the foundations learning. So the environments represent and reflect that. And that's, a, again, where I was talking about the about me. So, you know, three to three to seven-year-olds, three to six, seven-year-olds. And you're looking at, you know, the the skills about the learner, about focus and tolerance and confidence and, as I said, curiosity. So that's the experiences of focusing on that. At those particular ages, the student's physical and virtual environment is quite small. You know, if they've gone from uh, being at home with mum and dad and the brothers and sisters and some relatives to coming into a small community with new new people, mm-hmm. and they develop, that's where they're developing those those skills in the context of, in our case, New South Wales curriculum. By the time they reach year, you know, five, year four, five, six, mm-hmm. their access to people physical and virtual, their access to information. Um, They now have the skills to do that, and so it explodes. And it explodes exponentially, which means we have to focus on on these critical literacy skills. So learning experiences which explicitly understand that kids now intentionally or unintentionally exposed to huge amounts of information, huge amounts of of people and culture. Um, and, And if they're not... Well, if we're not providing learning experiences that address that and, and, and allow them to engage with those audiences in a safe environment, then there's the possibility that they will move into directions that, that, that probably aren't the best. Mm-hmm. So that's, where, that's why at that stage, in 5, 6, 7 and 8, it's an understanding of that's what's happening and the learning environments and spaces respond to that, and as does the, the teaching. So that's that understanding there. That's why when we go into that stage, it's about us. It's about us and the information. Um, so, so, yeah, that's a critical factor in the spaces. And that's why the spaces are different and, and how they work and function from early years to middle years to upper years. They're different because there's a different focus on the learner mm-hmm. in the context of the curriculum at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And coming back to design thinking and seeing that that process and there are so many different I guess versions of design thinking IDEO or Stanford Design School but but 
this, the focus on students experiencing design thinking as a way to develop that creativity, as a way, as a process to help students become more creative. What what have you, I guess, in your experience, what have you seen about design thinking um, being implemented in schools, but being led by students? Have you seen much of that um, happening? Design thinking, you know, is an inquiry model. Um, it's an iterative inquiry model, mm-hmm. and um, any inquiry model that provides the opportunity for to kids to actively engage um, with whatever the content is, um, where uh, the the learning experiences provided by the teacher stretch the child, but don't stretch them so it's too far, but still stretch them. They have to be stretched is where the best learning occurs. It was a bit like the Vygotsky... Um, right. That's right. I, 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 that's exactly what it is. I just wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> but it might be too <laughs> far for people. But that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. So I've got to know every individual... To be able to stretch them, I've got to know what they know and what they need to know or want to know, and then provide or design the learning experiences for that. And the learning experiences today are very much with a focus on feedback. Um, you know, feedback from uh, their, their their peers, feedback from other other people within in their immediate sphere, feedback from teachers and other teachers. And that feedback mechanism grows as does their exposure to bigger audiences and the process being um, asymmetrical or symmetrical, um, being moderated and unmoderated. As the child grows, the safe environment grows because the kids are developing um, experiences and knowledge about how to engage with those those people and those those areas uh, to make sure it's safe. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are safe environments um, to do that. You know, the safe environment of a five-year-old is socially, emotionally, physically, virtually is very different to a safe environment to a seventeen-year-old. Mm-hmm. But we, as educators, provide the learning experiences so they can develop the skills to engage in those safe environments. So, and just as we head to um, wrap this up, there's a few projects happening at the moment in the system. Um, I guess one that's uh, been well publicised is the um, science school that's been built out near Luttenham. How, even the, the concept of a science school, how does something like that come about? And it sounds like there's a, a clear link with the industry. Um, could you explain a little bit about that and how, and how that brief affects the way the design of the school for you yeah, but that, that school is going to be the first it's, it's, it's the first STEM school in Australia and it's in a partnership with Celestino Celestino are the are the um, product arm or sorry the property arm of the Bayarda group which are the big chicken farmers chicken, out there yeah that's right and so they're the product farm so we're in partnership with Celestino um, as the the P2P educators um, and we'll be, um, we're designing a STEM school. Most people, though, when they think of STEM, think of STEM as um, a, a noun, you know, just increase the science content, just increase the technology, just increase engineering and mathematics content. That's not our world view of STEM. STEM is about the verbs of STEM. So it's, it's 
you know, again, science, the S stands for learning through inquiry. Oh, you know, uh, the E stands for learning through design. Mm-hmm. Uh, the M is learning through problem solving. The T is learning with technology. Mm-hmm. So this is about the process of learning, so, which permeates across all the content areas. Um, and so the STEM school is, uh, you know, it is a design school in itself. Um, but it's very much an inquiry. It's all based on inquiry learning. You know, and so that's what its focus will. It'll no doubt have um, access to very, very uh, rich science environments out there, which will be fantastic. You know, Celestino themselves, are, uh, you know, they're building them. The building they're, 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 they've designed up out there will be state is state of the art science labs, and so in partnership with them, we'll be working with them and also the people that work in those. We'll have access to the best. Minds within the you know within Australia around science and mathematics and entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know they'll be in that location. So the opportunity for our students to engage at a highly sophisticated level mm-hmm. in inquiries it'll be a fantastic opportunity. And equally for them, they'll get access to students coming through our education system who have had years of practice mm-hmm. of inquiry thinking. Um, you know, so they can come up with you know the, the solutions to today's and tomorrow's complex problems. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they that's what they will be working with them. It'll be the day to day. They will be expert communicators, expert collaborators, experts at focus, experts at under, understanding the ethical issues, experts at influence, and, and, and all those things that they need to be experts at creativity and imagination, because they have they'll have years of experience with those kids from when they're three year olds right through to post-schooling that's their daily practice you know you're not you don't become a sprinter if you don't you know a world-class sprinter if you're not practicing it all the time yeah daily so our the students at our schools practice these skills in contemporary learning experiences daily and to do that we need contemporary learning spaces and settings Mm -hmm. that are that are highly connected uh, technology rich um, that allow kids to connect um, outside and inside um, and work together and, in, and individually. When you reflect back to when, um, when, when did you start designing schools or when was that, I guess, a key part of your role, Paul? A key part of my role around the next iteration of learning and teaching has been really since I've ever started mm-hmm. teaching. I mean, I've always been, you know, what's, what should learning and teach? what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been that, but I've been within... Uh, working for Catholic Education since 1997, mm-hmm. and you know I came down to New South Wales to 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 head up one of those roles about you know transformational leading. Where did you come from? Queensland State Education. Oh, okay. Mm. And so you you and you can see how the brief in 1997, as opposed to the brief now, I guess um, when you talk about um, designing schools with such specialists. Um, um, you know, access to technology. So there is a key shift. The um, the research, the experience, and the theory is is a lot clearer now than it was in 1997. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, you know there's there's very good research and clarity around learning. Mm-hmm. You know what works and what doesn't work. John Hattie's work is you know, mm-hmm. some of that work, but but you know what should you know what what works from a teaching and learning point of view, and what isn't as good from a teaching 
and learning point of view. So we know what works. So, so there's no experimentation. So we know what good learning and teaching looks like. Mm-hmm. It's, n- it's now about aligning the spaces and settings to that, to provide that. At the different cognitive ages, it's, as, I, as I keep going to say, it's not the generalised language doesn't help at all because it's not the same from P to P. Not at all. It is specialised for those appropriate cognitive ages, mm-hmm. um, but there should be you know, the continuum of learning. The continuum of, and the learner understands where to next. The curriculum just provides context. Paul Meldrum, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. No problem.